How do you strike the right balance between your brand voice and messaging and hyper relevance for the client, for example, using their language? Well, what a great question from Rhiannon and something that's very close to my heart. Let's ask Andrea Clapworthy of Fujitsu what she thinks. Hello, listener, and welcome to B2B Q&A, the podcast where we go in search of an answer to your question about B2B content writing. This is episode 111. Account-based marketing, or ABM for short, relies on your content talking to a very specific audience about their very specific needs and concerns. But the big question is, how do you balance that with delivering your own messaging and brand voice at the same time? In a few moments, ABM expert Andrea Clatworthy will answer that very question posed by our friend and colleague Rhiannon Blackwell of PwC. Plus, we'll hear a copywriting pro tip from Sarah Mullaney and get an update on your search for the best B2B content of all time. Before all that, Let's do some introductions. Uh, My name's David Maguire. I'm creative director at Radix Communications, the B2B writing agency. And I'm delighted to say that we have another ABM leader as our co-host for this episode. It's Judy Wilkes, international ABM and executive content lead at Autodesk. Judy, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. I'm very happy to be here. That is some job title. What does that actually involve? It's a very good question. So in a nutshell, our team designs and creates content that does two things. Content that fuels regional ABM programs and content that fuels global executive engagement within Autodesk. So from that point of view... Uh, as well as uh, as Andrea's viewpoint, which we'll get in a, a, a minute, you're very well placed to, to help us answer Rhiannon's question uh, uh, as well. So that's amazing. Thank you so much. Um, before we get on to that, though, would you mind performing your first official duty uh, as our co-host and telling the listener how they can get in touch with us? Absolutely. So, listener... If you have any comments or suggestions, you can find Radix on LinkedIn or Twitter. At Radix.com. Or if you want us to answer your question in a future episode, just record a quick voice note and send it in by email. Podcast at Radix-communications.com. That's amazing. Thank you. Now it's time for our B2B Q&A for this episode. It comes from someone I know well from the ABM circuit. It's PwC's ABM leader for global marketing, Rhiannon Blackwell. How do you strike the right balance between your brand voice and messaging and hyper relevance for the client, for example, using their language? Thanks, Rhiannon. It feels really like we have a lot of ABM experts on the the show today, which is great, Um, because this really is an important question. Relevance to the reader is all important in ABM. So when we're writing ABM content, it can be especially tough to find that blend between what the brand wants to say and how it wants to say it and what the reader needs to read. So how can you strike that balance? Well, I asked Fujitsu's Head of Marketing Transformation in Europe and longtime ABM evangelist, Andrea Clatworthy. And I started by asking her Rhiannon's question. 
Just how do you balance client relevance and brand voice? This is such a great question, and it's not an uncommon one. And um, it's like a, a depends answer, which is never a good one. But I think it's right to find the balance. And um, so thinking about it depends. So, for instance, if what you're trying to do with your customer is perhaps reposition yourself, then you probably want to dial down your brand a little bit without breaking the rules and use more of the customer's voice. If perhaps it, it's a new customer or it's new territory for you and you're trying to break in, then perhaps you want to dial up your brand whilst recognising their voice. So it's a really fine line. And I find what we try and do is we try and create, when we're creating the story and the narrative and the value proposition, we're thinking all the time about what's important to the customer. And whilst your brand is important to the customer, it's not the primary thing that they're worrying about. So I would edge on dialing it down just a little bit, but, but don't break the guidelines. I think that's really important not to break your brand guidelines because they're there for a reason. But you can stretch them and you can take some liberties perhaps. Having said that, sometimes it's appropriate to use some of the branding elements that your customer might have. So perhaps they've got an imagery style that you want to mimic rather than 100% them. Um, or it depends what the communication is that you're, you're going to be providing. So supposing it's something in the form of, I don't know, an infographic or something um, as part of a conversation. And you, you, want, you expect them and you'd love them to then use that asset that you've created for them, for them to use to their stakeholders in their company. So as part of their uh, business case process, if you like. And then you might want to make it slightly more their brand. So it look, even that looks like yours and you're suggesting this awesome thing, it's easier for them to reuse that asset. And that just makes their life easy, yeah. doesn't it? And makes them easy, turns them into a kind of a representative of you. And I guess that goes for both brand elements um, design-wise, but then also if they have a particular vocabulary, like a particular way of talking about uh, a subject or an issue. Yeah, it might be a project name that they use, or it could be as simple as just recognising, do they call their customers customers or clients or consumers? So using that language that they use when they talk about their business. Is there a, a, a chance, though, that a writer working on ABM content could almost be too keen to show how much research they've done and end up either telling the reader something they already know or just being a bit creepy. Yeah, I mean, that, that creepy thing is spot on, isn't it? And, and actually, it's relatively easy to get it wrong. And I'll give you an example of somebody pitching to me. So um, I'm a gamer. Mm -hmm. And somebody came in to, to see me. I reached out to them and said, you know, tell me stuff about your proposition. And they, they came in to me and they'd, they'd ABM'd and they'd done everything personalised and tailored to me, which is great. Um, and they focused on this gamer aspect. And I like a particular type of game. Um, and they pitched to me using a first-person fighter game. And they're not the sorts of games that I like. So they got the gaming bit right, but they got the type of gaming bit wrong. So it instantly, I'm kind of like, this is this is a bit creepy and it's wrong. So I felt, you know, I gave them that feedback, you know, to say thanks ever so much. But it, it, you know, it was it was so nearly right, but made it completely wrong. So using that research correctly is is a trick there. And I, I guess that must be 
easier or maybe riskier with brands that you know if you're if you're writing to accounts that you know well yeah well if it's an existing account it's much easier to get that balance right because you know them and you're in dialogue all the time probably um and you know completely what you're doing and and the marketing part of that uh, ongoing engagement will be reflective of the conversations that the account team or whoever are having so it's that's much easier to get that right it is much harder when you don't really know who you're talking to. So then you probably, back to the question, urge a bit more on your brand, but reflective of the language that you know that they use. And when you're doing your research in that case and you're thinking about the challenges they're facing and how your products and solutions can can match that, how much are you thinking about the position that the company's in and how much are you thinking about the individual role? Like, are you thinking more, oh, this is a, a company in the retail sector, or are you thinking more, this is a CTO or, or whatever? Yeah, a bit of both, to be quite honest. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a bit contextual. So if it, perhaps a company in the retail sector might be in growth mode, or they might be in massive reduction mode, as we're seeing happening uh, across the piece. They're just reflecting that where they are because the, the language that you use might be slightly different. So if they're in growth mode um, and they're being really prosperous, then they're going to have a slightly different outlook on any future investments that, that they're going to make compared to if they they need to reduce in one way, shape or form, be that people or stores or whatever. Um, so so it, it is both. That persona piece is important too. So if it's a CTO, then you know it, it, there's loads of work on personas and I think most people are probably reasonably comfortable with those. But then if you know who that CTO is, human being, mm. then picking up on some of those things is is equally important if you can get it right. So I think that there's a few bits to this. There's a bit about emotion. So if you get it right, the reader, if you like, the consumer of your um, writing, copy, assets, whatever it is, they'll have a positive emotional reaction, hopefully. Um, and then they're more likely to continue the conversation or, you know, share internally, you know, be your advocate. Um, so, so that's that's a very clear signal. Mm. I'm interested in the the emotional response. What what kind of response is that? Is that kind of a relief, a kind of feeling seen that someone is recognising what they're struggling with? Is it kind of delight and surprise? Like, what sort of emotions are you you seeing from the? the best content that you send. Yeah, yeah, that, those ones. And and I mean, relief is a great word because actually, um, you know, if you get the personalisation bit right and what you're uh, suggesting you can help them with is right as well, then that's the combo. Um, because, because kind of what you want people to do is to choose you above everybody else. So if you've delivered those messages correctly and you can kind of get the sense of, oh, these people get me. And I can see how we could work together and they're going to solve a business problem one way, shape or form, whatever that might be with me when I choose to work with them. So it's a bit of euphoria as well, I guess. It's not adding on something to make them feel emotional. It's actually listening and thinking about what they they really need and then expressing that in a really kind of clear and impactful way. I think you're spot on. And that listening piece is really important, isn't it? If you think about the old elephant adage, you know, two big ears, so do the listening first. Um, and uh, and if you get that right, then, then it can really help. Now, 
how do you listen would be the next question. Mm. Um, we well, can read stuff, right? Um, but quite often, um, if you've got an account team in with that account, they're, they're really getting to know those people or that person. So they're, they're your primary source of that, like, you know, first party insight, if you like. Mm-hmm. It's really important to include them in the process that you're going through to create whatever it is you're creating. Okay, so we've thought about the, the branding, the voice, the, the vocabulary, and the kind of messaging that, that you're aiming to deliver to make that connection. What else is important in ABM content that really works? Great question. Again, I think it's worth considering the format of the content that you're going to be delivering. Mm. Understanding how people consume information can give you a really good indicator of the how you deliver that content. So if somebody, for example, is, is very much numbers-based, then think about making sure that there's numbers and perhaps graphs. Somebody likes to consume video over written, or perhaps they like snackable content rather than long form, then, then working some of that out can be really helpful. Now, clearly you want to use omni-channel anyway, right? Don't just rely on one thing. There's some little things you can do. So you can use some disk profiling, for example, which will give you an indicator of, of the type of uh, behaviours and, and brain workings, if you like, to, to use a, a non-technical term, that therefore could determine how people like to consume information. So that's quite a good starting point. It's really thinking about the individual and what they need, really in a kind of a 360 way. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, and different, we know, don't we, as good marketeers, that different content and content formats work better at different stages of the customer journey. So building that in as well to your comms plan is a good thing to do. That's amazing. Thank you. So if the listener wants to, to find out more and kind of really dive into the subject of... Um, of creating really good ABM content. Um, where do you suggest they, they go for more information? I think a really good starting point um, is uh, a bit of reading. There's a really great book by Bev Burgess, mm-hmm. and it's called A Practitioner's Guide to ABM. And it is a practitioner's guide, so that's a great place to start. Um, I'd also recommend uh, reaching out to organisations like yourself, David, Oh, thank you very much. (laughs) (laughs) Checks in the post. Oh, thanks, Andrea. That is great. It's so helpful to know there's no one right answer. You can dial your brand voice up and down depending on the job your content needs to do. Judy, what stood out for you there as an ABM leader? Well, actually, everything is one answer. Um, there was, <laughs> good, you know, such 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 a lot of great stuff in mm-hmm. in there, and like a topic that I could talk about till the cows come home. Um, but there, there were two key things that Andrea said that I think are kind of foundational. Mm. Um, and number one is never break the brand rules. Uh, that's just a good starting point for any ABM, mm. not your brand rules nor the client's brand rules. Um, and then moving on, I also I pulled out this quote and I'm going to, I wrote it down. I'm going to, I'm going to read it because uh, I think it's really essential to ABM. Uh, Andrea said, whilst your brand is important to the customer, it's not the primary thing that they are worrying about. 
And that's just absolutely crucial. You know, it's a nice way of saying the customer doesn't care about you or your brand. You have to make sure that everything you say to them, you put in the context of their business. So what that means with getting that balance right between your brand and voice and and theirs is that um, if you if your piece either visually or stylistically shouts your brand, you're actually not going to get your point across because your point in ABM is always, I understand your business. And if you're shouting your brand, you're not going to get that point across. So you need to think about that. And it's, But at the same time, it's really powerful when you get it right that you can show the synergies between two brands. So is it more complicated than... The way that the content sounds, the way that the content looks, the vocabulary you choose, the register that you write in are maybe led by, you know, your brand so that it's recognizable. But the content, the stuff that you write about, the messaging, that kind of stuff is led by their priorities. So maybe the content is about them, but the branding and the voices about you or is it more nuanced I think I think that is your starting point and then it depends on I think you can look at it like a continuum absolutely the content will always 100% be about them that's the starting Mm. point but the continuum is then how much do you do you kind of shift the brand the tone the voice the vocabulary to reflect the customer as well. And that will depend on a couple of things. It will depend on what is your level of awareness with that customer already and what is the level of the relationship. If, as Andrea said, if you need to establish awareness with the customer, then you're probably going to want to lean more towards your brand. But if you're at the partnership stage, then you might want to show how the two brands work together. So you really kind of visually and stylistically get that partnership message across. Yeah. And I guess all of this with the proviso that when you talk about the vocabulary that you use, any specific terminology should be their terminology. Sort of. So if they call their customers clients or they call their customers members, for example, or if they have certain initiatives that they have their own language for, then you should absolutely adopt that rather than trying to impose your terminology on top of something that they would recognise? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I don't really have anything to add to that. I I 100% agree. (laughs) Um, With a lot of, I think, a lot of B2B content generally, there's always a temptation when you've done your research to show maybe more of that research than you should and end up telling the reader things that they already know to kind of show off how much you know. I guess that's an even stronger temptation in ABM, given how much you will know about your particular audience, right? Yeah, and um, and this is a podcast, so you couldn't see me smiling then. But yes, <laughs> absolutely, that that is a it's a re- it's a real real danger because, as you say, you do a lot of research into the company and their business and you know a lot about them and it's ABM so you really want to show them we understand your business 
But if you just tell them what they already know about their business, you're not going to get very far. Mm. So I kind of like apply the the kind of the adage here that, you know, you don't tell someone you're funny, you make them laugh. Mm -hmm. And it's it's the same thing. So you don't tell them everything you know about their business. You show that you understand their business Mm. by the recommendations that you make in the content. And, you know, let's face it, you're never going to know their business as well as they do. But the value that you bring is that you are an outside perspective. So you show them you understand their business by adding that outside perspective to what you know about them and perhaps telling them something they haven't thought of before. Yeah, it's the same thing when I'm training um, copywriters in, in general how to do this stuff. It's okay, you've got, you've got this knowledge about them, so what? Yeah. You know, so, that, so it's not, you know, ah, this company has workforces on three different continents or whatever it is. It's because you, you have a workforce on three continents, you will need to handle time zones in this way or handle collaboration, and here's a way that we can help you with that. Like, we've done the thinking about the the so what about the information that we have we're not just parroting back the information i think that's probably obviously all the more important in abm but i think in any b2b content that's that's yeah, useful uh, absolutely absolutely i mean in any content the more you talk about the customer and the more you show an understanding of their business without telling them their business then it's going to be more powerful mm. so yes that that is exactly it which takes, you know, it takes thinking. You know, it's one thing to have a load of data. It's another thing to then analyze that data. So suddenly the, the writer is not, just, is not just a writer. You know, the writer, you know, is suddenly an ABM strategist as well. And, you know, I always, I always say writing is thinking. Mm. Um, it's not just about putting words on a page. You've got to have those thoughts first before you can then articulate them nicely on a page. Yeah, Do you have any advice on how much of your research it's even okay to show before you start to kind of worry them that you're getting a bit creepy? Well, yeah, I mean, now we're talking about talking to the individual as well as talking Mm. to the company. And, you know, again, like the topic of creepy personalization, as it often called, that comes up a lot in, in ABM. And, you know, I think it's one one good standard is to think, how would I feel if it happened to me? Mm-hmm. So, for example, I think on my Twitter profile, I probably say I'm a cat fancier. But if someone came to a business presentation and it had cats all over it, or there was cats and that cat analogies, or you know whatever gifts, <laughs> like, is that going to make me like them more? Is it that going to make it? me want their Be product honest, more? <laughs> All right, well, if you take cats out of the <laughs> equation. Um, no, you know, it, it's, it's that, that's creepy. And it's, you know, we come back to what is the key, the one key word um, that sums up ABM and it's relevance. Mm. So are cats relevant to that conversation? No, they're not. So I think it's much more powerful if you, yes, you do your homework about that person, but you try and understand what are their values? What are their motivations? What are their personality type? So don't just kind of look at what do they do out of work? Oh, David plays golf. Let's put some golf analogies in here. That's not relevant. But if you understand their motivations, the type of person they are, then you can tailor the content in the right way. 
So, for example, if I'm somebody, perhaps I think of myself as a bit of a change agent. And typically, if I do, I'll have plastered that all over LinkedIn so it won't be very difficult to find. If, I, if I'm that type of person, then you know you need to position whatever you're proposing as some bold, exciting, disruptive move. That is much more powerful than putting some images of cats or golf into your content. Before we finish this episode, there are a couple more things we need to do. First, it's time for our copywriting pro tip. Copywriting pro tip. My name is Sarah Mullaney from She's a Writer, and my B2B copywriting tip is to have core materials about the values or proof points of the client within reach when you're writing about them. You can use these to focus less on what services or solutions the client's offering and keep bringing the copy back to why the client is a leader in their field and why their customers continue to use them. This will help you to get into the mind of the reader, writing the most purposeful and benefit-driven B2B copy for them. Thanks, Sarah. That sounds like a really useful tip for making sure that you can stay on track during the day. So, David, I gather that you have something to ask the listener. Yeah, I do. Um, To mark the 10th anniversary of this podcast, we're continuing our search for the best B2B content of all time. Now, in particular, we'd like the listener's help finding the best blog posts, case studies and web content. There's so much to choose from out there, so it'll be really helpful if anyone could tell us where to focus our search. All you need to do is to jot down one or two of your favourites and email them to us on vote at radix-communications.com or just fire them at us on, on LinkedIn or Twitter. Anyway... Judy, thank you so much for co-hosting. Um, it's been so much fun to, to, to do this with you. I, I wish we had more time. I know. I, well, I've already said I could talk about this topic forever. So thank you so much for giving me the opportunity. And I guess while we're at it, we should thank everybody else that's been involved in this um, episode. So in no particular order, thank you, first of all, to Andrea Clatworthy for answering the really great question. Thank you to Sarah Mullaney for the pro tip. And lastly, thank you to Rhiannon Blackwell for asking the question in the first place. Uh, Rhiannon, I hope you feel that we have done you justice. Remember, listener, it could be your question we answer in a future episode. If you have a question for B2B Q&A to answer, email a voice memo to podcast at radix-communications.com or find us on social media. We'll be back soon for another B2B Q&A. Until then, make great content. And remember, a writer only begins the content. It's the reader who finishes it. Well, either them or that stakeholder who won't sign it off anyway. Goodbye. Goodbye.